Hey, good morning. Welcome to Media Insultant. Uh, today, Keith and I are going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, we'll get a little more talk about QR code because I'm kind of geeky about the QR codes. Gannett lays off a batch of people, and does it mark the further decline of print, or is it just a moxnicks? AGC goes all digital all the time, or we think they will. And why does radio end up being the sad sack when it comes to dividing up the political windfall for media? And we've got a couple of ideas on that, and maybe even some ideas that might help you have a little better political year at your radio station. So, good morning. We are back with another edition of Media Insultant. Our ideas, opinions, and uh, snarky (laughs) comments. Primarily targeting radio and TV sales and management people. Those that are still in the business, and uh, a lot of them. (laughs) Who (laughs) Who are out of the business, yeah, who aren't anymore. I'm Jackson Weaver in Kirkland, Washington, home of Costco and lately the burgeoning Google campus that seems to be taking over the city. Uh, the number of sports cars that zip around here, Ferraris, Maseratis, Lamborghinis. I was at an intersection the other day and there were two, two Bentleys next to each other at the corner intersection. That's just crazy. So, Well, that that hey, that's every day in my neighborhood. What are you talking about? I mean, you know, well, I'm... I, this I, is yeah, not... But, but, but it's not Google, folks. It's more hip-hop, if you know what I mean, than Google. So there you go. Our, ours are all techie guys. And, uh, you know, uh, Kirkland is no longer a quiet town by the lake. Not anymore. So my co-host, Keith Samuels, is uh, in the hills of Los Angeles, where all the hip-hop guys are. Yeah, good morning, Jackson. Good morning, Keith. And anyway, L.A.'s never been a quiet town. <laughs> And today we'd like to welcome you to the Friday, September 16th episode of Media Insultant. So earlier this week, Keith, uh, we had a piece of property that we were trying to sell and we pulled it off the market. And as soon as the MLS was notified that we had taken it off the market, I had a call from a local real estate agent. This is, you're going to find this hard to believe. Actually, they're not called agents in this state anymore. They're called brokers. And I don't know what that's about. Topic for another day. Whatever. Anyway, this guy calls and he says, uh, I see that you pulled your listing. Are you ready to give that listing to me, a real real estate agent who knows how to sell your property? Wow, a, a real estate switch pitch. That's awesome. A real estate switch pitch. <laughs> yeah. So I went, really? Not, look, I I know that real estate people have a reputation of being the worst salespeople in the world. They They truly are. But in one sentence, this schmuck confirmed a couple of things. He confirmed that he was not a listener. He's going to tell me everything about what was wrong with my listing and why we didn't sell it. But he never asked the basic questions, right? And the second thing is is that he insulted my listing agent. Uh, now, he doesn't know her, but still pretty rude comment. He had no way of evaluating who she was. Wow. And thirdly, and this is the big thing he screwed up on, he promptly positioned himself as being somebody I would never do any business with. And as I said, you know, Yuck. real estate people sometimes are, are the worst. But sales is sales, Keith. And you and I both deal with salespeople. And yeah, we do switch pitch. And in our media space, if you're a salesperson and you question a decision of a buyer, why did you buy that station? I was stupid. 
Or if you insult or denigrate your competitors, oh, God, those guys are going out of business. Uh, You know, they haven't got any money. They're a lousy group. Or if you just fail to ask questions, then I would argue you're a sales schmuck, too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, personally, I was guilty at one point in time of doing all three of them. All of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not not oblivious to that. We both have done all of that. You're on KPLZ? Are you out of your mind? You know, why would you go on KJR? You know, uh, but you know, the, uh, hey, well, wait a minute. KJR is okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Of course. Yeah, okay. right. KPI. But, you know, maybe. Yeah, certainly. You're on KRPM? Are you kidding? That's that's stunning to me. Uh, you know, I can understand calling uh, people who are coming off of right. off of uh, the listing and going, "Hey, listen. You know what? That happens all the time. You didn't sell the house. You pulled the listing." You know, I often find that, or most times, it's because, you know, the, the agent didn't do an effective job or you know, the timing wasn't right, your pricing was off. Are you open to other opinions and possibly another look at someone looking at your property from a broker standpoint and, and giving you another analysis and maybe taking another shot at it? You know, there's a way to kind of get to the, you know, like, well, yeah, you know what? Or, or at least if not now, Jackson, when you and your wife decide to go back on the market, you know, would you give me a shot? I'd, I'd really like, you know, I've been by your property. I think it was great. I saw it at the broker open house, you know, some sort of involvement. So I put some time into checking out your property. I'd like to represent that property. I think I can do a pretty good job with it. Well, and that's exactly so, the, that's, that would get the, the approach. You got the listing, buddy. You got the listing. <laughs> okay. Well, and the thing that I that I, I do admire his uh, his spunk and for making picking up and making a cold call because that's that's unusual. But boy, and I see this in real estate all the time. My wife works with a lot of real estate and mortgage companies, and their mm-hmm. lack of sales acumen is amazing. Anyway, we're not oh, here to talk okay. about real estate. <laughs> We gotta move on. I we have been asked by several listeners. You, wait, 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 wait. wait? I, mean, I can't. I can't brag about the fact that I've met Josh Altman or that I, you know, I, I know I'm, go, I'm going down to get my hair. My stylist is right next door to the Selling Sunset office that all the tourists come and take pictures at. I mean, real estate in the Hollywood Hills is like it's like pretty serious stuff. So it's you know, million dollar listing and Selling Sunset and. So all those guys are crawling all around our neighborhood. So it's pretty competitive, but your situation there is a little bit different. So, okay. All right. Just let you go. (laughs) Well. You can cut all that out. It's fine. You can cut all that out. Let's start. I cut almost everything out you do anyway. So (laughs) you wondered why we do a 20-minute show that comes out as three minutes when it's finally edited. Yeah, that was fast. What happened there? Okay, start up again. Here you go. Keith, you know, I I have been on this jag about – QR codes. And I had a couple of listeners who said, well, why would you pay for a QR code when they're often free? And they uh, you oh, can right. find them free online. No question about that. The difference is the free ones are static. That is to say they only go to one source or one, one website or one link, and that's it. You get no data. You can't change them. Whereas, so when I go to when I go to the restaurant and they go, you know, in lieu of a menu, because you're going to get COVID if you touch a menu, here's a QR code, scan this, that takes me to their menu, which is on a website somewhere. But that's it. That, that does no more. Is that what you're saying? That's a static QR code. Exactly. You have okay. envisioned it correctly. And, and that's okay. fine for a lot of applications. And, and that's an excellent one, the, the restaurant application. But dynamic QR codes can be reassigned. So let's say you've got a QR code on the side of your van. 
your station van. Well, that could take you to the website, could take you to a specific promotion, could take you to an event you're doing. You want to be able to change that QR code up, then you've got to buy a dynamic code. And they're not terribly expensive. You can buy subscriptions for them for about seven or eight bucks a month. Well, and okay. and they work they work really well. So I just thought I would mention that because we've had a couple of people who have said, well, why would I pay for a uh, QR code? That's so on, when, you, when you pay for this dynamic QR code and you, you can switch up where it goes and how you use it, but do you also get data with that? Yeah, it's a good secondary point. You get data, how many people click through. And, uh, you know, there's some other things. That, the big thing is how much traffic are you generating with it and how successful mm-hmm. was your promotion using that QR code. So, and speaking of QR codes, we have a QR code for our supporters. You can see it on screen right now. Takes you straight to Venmo, and we really appreciate anybody's support. We've gotten quite a bit of very encouraging support and appreciate those of you who have supported us. If you're listening to the podcast, all you got to do is go to Venmo and look for In Town Media. That's where the link is, and it takes you straight to Venmo. And, And again, we appreciate all of your support in our podcast and the video cast that we do for Media Insultant. Okay, Keith, you think laying off 400 people is a big deal or not a big deal. I'm not right. sure any of those 400 are going to agree that it's not a big deal. <laughs> I, I think they're probably going to go, well, that's easy for you to say. So what's your thought? Gannett's laid off a batch of people. What's the deal? Well, Gannett came out with their second quarter financials and, and along with that announced that they were going to uh, slash three percent of their workforce and of course everybody in journalism went up in arms because oh my god are they cutting reporters or what are they doing i mean it's going to be the end of end of news as we know it but they have over thirteen thousand three hundred employees at gannett at all of gannett's newspapers around the country including usa today so will they miss 400 probably not because they have 200 publications that they own so 400 jobs is two per paper. Yeah. They're not going to miss yeah. two per paper. <laughs> and uh, I don't think anybody will notice. But the real story about all this was that is the decline in their revenue. So in Q2 of this year, their revenue declined uh, 7%, 6.9%. We're, not, we're seeing really increases in 2022 over 21, or at least low single-digit increases. And 2021 was the big increase year over, over the COVID year of 2020. So, but they lost 7% of their revenue. Digital declined 9%. Who drops 9% in digital? You fall off the, the bus and you get up 10, right? Up 20. <laughs> you know, it's just the digital money is coming in. But that was primarily due to a softer programmatic ad market. Well, programmatic is based on traffic. You know, how many impressions you're going to get. And clearly, the the digital traffic at Gannett's papers is not driving revenue growth in digital at this point. But they also suffered greater than expected losses in print, you know, to which I say it's always the damn paper's fault. But declining uh, readership and subscriptions to the paper version of their papers. But further down, I noticed that they cited that their newsprint, the paper that it gets printed on, that paper is now 31% more expensive than it was a year ago. So you talk about inflation, you talk about you know natural resources. So to buy the paper, to print the paper is up 31%. And you know they're all looking at this going, uh, why are we printing a paper? Because we're, you know, we're just having to keep, we've got to keep chop- chopping down trees at the paper farm. And 
you know, it's, it's just more expensive. So I think, I think, you know, the, at the end of the day, it's not about the staff loss. It's about the revenue loss. And, and also the fact that we're, I, we're seeing more signs pointing towards the ending of a paper version of the newspaper is that it'll be, it'll be, it'll be digital. I, and I would have to think that, that either Gannett is going to shut down papers or they're going to stop printing papers over the next year. And, you know, you're not going to see a lot of, uh, of, of your local newspaper in print, except maybe on Sunday only. But then, then what do we call it? It's not a newspaper anymore. Right. And I they've mean, renamed think about that. Their, that is a dilemma. Yeah. 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 They're, they're a newspaper brand. And yet they don't do oh, a we newspaper. Don't put, we don't put it on newspaper. So they, they're, they renamed the industry, the news media industry. So yeah. the newspaper association is now called the news media association. Well, that's as generic as it gets. You know what? You're still the damn newspaper. You're just in digital. So what can I say? Well, and and uh, Cox's AJC, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, which w- I think was their one of their or very early papers. I think Dayton was the first, but Dayton was the first. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the Atlanta Journal is, I think, probably their biggest and has been, frankly, the the media engine that is that has generated enough cash for TV, radio. Uh, Cox, uh, Mannheim Auto Auction, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, yep. And they're considering now dropping printing. What's going on with Cox? Yeah, the rumors out of Atlanta say that the AJC is considering dropping Monday through Friday print editions completely and only printing a paper on Saturday and Sunday. And they deny it, of course. Well, they sort of deny it. They say, well, we're always looking at ways to improve the financial performance of our newspaper. And we're always looking at different expenses and different initiatives and all that kind of stuff, which is basically saying, yeah, they're thinking about it a lot. Yeah, big time, um, big time. And for, and for a big paper in a big growing market like Atlanta, you know, that's a big deal that, you know, the AJC is not going not gonna to print Monday through Friday at some point soon. But what's interesting is, is that I was, when I was reading about this, one reporter chimed in with, a, with a, uh, a great story, a great Ted Turner story from years ago. Ted, of course, is from Atlanta. And, you know, his daddy was in the outdoor business. They bought WSB or they bought uh, not WSB. They bought uh, the Superstation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, well, yeah. they put the Superstation on the air. It was an independent station in, in Atlanta. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, WTBS, you know, the big, you know, Channel 17, it became a cable channel early on. And, uh, and Ted became, you know, invented CNN and became massive. So they're at a ad conference in Atlanta. And Ted, as only Ted can do, can do, if you've ever heard Ted Turner speak in person, it's, it's freaking hilarious. It's amazing because you never know what he's going to say. And he always has this this kind of drunken drawl talk style, and he's he's a he's he's hysterical. He's really great, but he shocked the crowd when he predicted at this conference. This is several decades ago, and he predicted the the Atlanta Journal Constitution and newspapers would be dead in his lifetime. And, oh, and the crowd just murmur, 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 right. And then later on, the head of the uh, AJC, probably the publisher at the time, spoke later that day in the conference and said that the AJC would still be around to print Ted's obituary to the delight of the assembled crowd. Well, guess what? Who's laughing now? Yeah. There's not yeah. going to be a print edition for Ted's <laughs> obituary to be printed. So, anyway, Well, and, the, and the, the fascinating thing about that is when Turner said that, 
uh, he wasn't aware of the impact digital would have. He was just yep. talking about the the changing newscape with with television and cable channel or cable channels and and that sort of thing. Yeah, Ted. Uh, uh, Ted, particularly at that point, is like a lot of these guys who get out of the business at a certain point. You know, they've made their money. Yeah, they're much more entertaining because they don't give a shit. You know, Randy yeah, well, Michaels, who used to run JCOR, You ever see Randy Michaels speak today? He is hilarious but because I, he doesn't but, care. Right. Well, Ted was like that even when he was in the business, and I remember hearing seeing, hearing him speak when he was just WTBS and CNN had just launched. He was still in the. He was very much in the business and still was speaking his mind. There was no, there was no, there was no stopping Ted. You know, there was no, you know, putting the mute button on Ted. So, uh, you know, he, but he gets the last laugh on this one. I'm sure he he's sure up does. there on the ranch in Montana, going, <clears throat> "Well, damn it! I told him. I told him that was going <laughs> to happen. Old Ted is right again." Well, Keith, on, uh, as we move on here on Media Insulted, it um, may be a midterm election that is coming up. But estimates are there will be a ten billion dollar media investment. That's B ten billion, and it's a it's a midterm. Yikes! So the perennial question that we've been asking since day one is why doesn't radio get more political budget? Ten billion dollars. Radio is projected to get only about four percent of it. About four hundred billion. Four, excuse me, four hundred million. Million. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean to radio's credit, you know they the RAB has has worked hard on developing strategy around it. iHeart has a political arm. Some of the other groups may too. I'm pretty sure they do. Cats does, but it's four percent. Why so little? Why does why do these guys spend billions on TV, cable, digital, and so little on radio? Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's still a mystery to me. You know, I I know that. Um you know, our, the news talk stations and, and talk stations will be deluged. You know, the, uh, you know, probably be some, uh, it, you know, but and a little bit on some of the music formats, but not many. That's what's so interesting is that they cherry pick those kind of foreground formats for political advertising and for candidates, particularly Init- initiatives, though, and California is a massive initiative state. Those tend to get on all stations, but just as radio is gearing up or geared up a decade or two ago to really go after political dollars, what also happened? Digital comes Digital. along. Yeah. <clears throat> and so now you have these political consultants and their number crunchers. It's kind of like the sports, you know, it's like the uh, saber metrics in baseball. You know, it's like, where are our voters? Where are they at? And how can I geo-target them using digital? And it's just, it's just a digital feast. Television is great for big reach, big big impressions. Getting a candidate uh, made aware, you know, the candidate awareness goes way up. The initiative awareness goes way up because you can really kind of add pictures to it, and I think politicians love that. Where radio, it's like, you know, they they may not have a voice for radio, or the radio radio spots are harder to write. They just and they so they just give up and don't do it. Well, there's a lot to be said for the ease of purchasing television. You know, you can take $250,000 in a market like uh, Portland or Seattle or, you know, Kansas City, and you can spend $250,000 million, $250, on three stations within about 20 minutes. A yeah. lot more work to spend that kind of money on radio, a lot more creative distribution of paperwork and, and all the invoices and all of that sort of thing. Still, I think, uh, I, I think you know, for the radio people who are involved with Media Insult, and I think 
I think there have been some things that, that have been missed. I think one of the things that's been missed is we haven't called on these clients. We haven't called on these candidates. We kind of expect it to kind of come across the transom. And to a point you made when we were talking about this before, it's often obviously not the candidate who's spending the money. It may not even be the uh, the candidate's election committee. They've got uh, media agencies that are specifically mm-hmm. focused on that. Yep. So set up those relationships before the RFPs go out. I, th- I think, you know, that's when we can pre-sell radio. Maybe get your rep involved, you know. Somebody's yeah. often regional reps will, will pitch in. And, you know... The digital platform, too, is very true, but it's interesting because I was poking around and it seems that most of what digital is doing is they will uh, use digital for fundraising and much less for actually promoting the candidate. Oh, interesting. So I think the um, I think one of the other things that we will talk about, not today, but I'd like to talk about in the next uh, our next show is uh, how to get around the lowest unit rate. I I know I can hear my friends David Oxenford and his legal buddies going what there's no way there's around lowest unit rate uh, but there is so maybe well, we can it, get everybody to tune in this is a tease we're going oh, to tune a, in we'll a talk great about tease. It next yeah. week yeah. yeah next week because because you know for generations as radio sellers and television sellers and managers is that you know we didn't want political because you had to sell at the lowest unit rate. In other words, they had to give these federal candidates the best deal that you'd ever done during the time of the election. Uh, so you have long-term advertisers, guys that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not maybe even more, on your stations, and they're getting lots of spots. So it's your it's your mattress guy, it's your car dealer, it's your sports betting company, sports whatever betting, it might yeah. be. Yeah, and, and you give them a great deal for the year, your home improvement guys and all that. And then all of a sudden... These guys come in and say, you have to give them access. You're not sold out. And you've got to give them the lowest unit rate. And we wanted to avoid that like the plague because we lost money and had to preempt spots. But you, you and your ultimate wisdom, Mm. Jackson Dell Weaver, (laughs) you have thought this through and you've got some great advice for our, our viewers and our listeners next week when we talk about this again, about how to kind of get around some of those rules in a very legal and, and proper way. A very legal and proper way, exactly. We will talk about that next week. And Keith, I don't know how this goes so fast. We're, we're out of time. You know, this this is it. Uh, and, and a final note, again, I'll pop up a QR code here on screen. Anybody, uh, we appreciate your support. Thank you very much. And, and go to InTown Media on Venmo if you're just listening to the podcast. So we will be back Tuesday. we got lots of stuff cooking for next week. Yep, football, football, football. We're going to be talking NFL football, baby. Talking about NFL football and what, Keith? What's the what's the discussion point on NFL football? Viewership for over the air games versus viewership for the streamed Thursday night football game on uh, on Amazon Prime. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna see if the ratings come in because uh, Nielsen is also warning the media community that. Uh, there, uh, there'll be a delay in the release of the ratings for Prime's Thursday night football game last night. That's why I don't have it today, because they've, they've delayed it. So next week, we'll have those numbers, and we can really kind of dig in and see if uh, that billion-dollar investment that Bezos made in the NFL, billion a season, is going to pay off. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, as uh, always, we drop new shows Tuesday and Friday. So come back and join us on Tuesday for the next show. Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media. 
an interim broadcast management company. We'd love any of your comments anytime at Jackson at Intown Media. And we'll be back uh, come Tuesday. Keith, uh, thank you for a great show. It goes so quickly. So much fun. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you next weekend, buddy. Have a, have a good weekend. You too, buddy. See you then. <laughs>